This week on Access Louisville, we're going to talk about CEO compensation, who's up and who's down. Plus, Louisville City FC's stadium gets a new name. I'm certain you're going to get a kick out of it. See what I did there? Stick around. It's all about the emphasis. My name is David Mann, and joining me today is Brooke Timmons. Howdy. Chris Larson. Hey, hey. And Lisa Benson. On Access Louisville, we bring you the latest news and the sharpest opinions on the city we love, Louisville, Kentucky. But before we do that, I'm going to start this show the way I always do, with a difficult question. Actually, it's a quiz this time. Oh, boy. So, recently, well, yesterday, we reported that a 30-year-old tumbleweed restaurant in Okalona is now temporarily closed. We also mentioned that the queso was safe. So I'm going to give our panelists a quiz about Tumbleweed, a longtime Louisville restaurant that people have various opinions on these days. But uh, I'm going to go around the room. I'm going to ask you guys a question. I want you to just say your answer very quickly, and then I'm going to move to the next person. And since Brooke has done this before, I'm going to start with Brooke. Oh, super. And then you guys can figure it out from there. Where was the first Tumbleweed restaurant, Brooke? Melwood Avenue. Melwood. Where was it, Chris? New Albany, Indiana. Lisa? I'm freezing. Um, Oklahoma. It was Chris. Chris was right. Chris clearly clearly read the Wikipedia page. I made a very poor showing uh, the last couple times I've been on talking about restaurants, so I am prepared. All right. Crap. Where's the furthest away Tumbleweed restaurant? Uh, New Albany. (laughs) I would say the one that's uh, in Ohio. There's several in Ohio. I can't remember how. I can't remember the furthest one, but one of the ones in Ohio. Okay. Cincinnati. It's in Worcester, Ohio, which is near Cleveland, which is pretty far away for Tumbleweed, I thought. Way I'll to take go, it. Chris, on reading the About Us <laughs> section on the website. I know. Can you believe how hard it is to do this kind of research? Uh, <laughs> finally, Chris in the front with, uh, with two. This is going to be a hard one. How long was the waterfront Tumbleweed open? Um, how many years, I should say? I'm going to start with, I'll start with Lisa this time. Oh, it's a pity. It's a pity to start. How about? <laughs> You've only been in town for like three years. I know. Uh, let's say a decade. Okay. 18 years. Well, that's a good guess. Um, I'm going to go 17 years. It was only nine years, so Lisa was close. I'll give that one. Yes. <laughs> um, and then is there a prize at the end of this? There's no prize. Yeah. Your prize is a lot of knowledge about Tumbleweed. <laughs> if you knew the answers, you're not embarrassed. This is just a bonus <laughs> question. doesn't count. Someone shout it out. Um, what is the name of the now closed restaurant that replaced the waterfront Tumbleweed? Oh, Doc's Cantina. There you go. Good. Uh, we actually, um, in my friend's group, we all called it Mexican Crows because it was owned by the Doc's Cro- Doc Crows people. And so yeah. um, uh, That place lasted a couple of months. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, that's, uh, that's our quiz. If you like quizzes about tumbleweed, um, the poll question right now is not as exciting, but it is a quiz about tumbleweed if you want to check that out. Uh, that's on our website, louisvillebusinessfirst.com. 
Now let's actually talk about serious news, or more serious news anyway. Uh, this week our cover story was a survey of nine public company CEOs. That accompanied a public company executive compensation list uh, where we listed uh, the highest compensation for local public company CEOs. Humana's Bruce Broussard topped that list with total compensation of $16 million in 2018. Another fun fact from the list was Steve Ritchie, who saw the biggest increase in pay. Steve Ritchie is the CEO of Papa John's. Uh, his pay increased from $2.2 million in 2017 to $5.6 million in 2018. I hope you guys didn't hear the uh, doorbell app just ringing my... Do we have a surprise guest? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is our first guest. Um, so uh, his pay actually increased 149%, um, probably due to the fact that he went from uh, the COO's chair to the CEO's chair. It's been a while since I reported any Papa John's news. But anyway, um, if you're interested in executive compensation, it's a great list to check out. But I thought we'd talk about it here because we do occasionally get some blowback on this list. People say, uh, why is this relevant information? Why is it something we consistently cover? Uh, so I'm going to throw that question out for our panel. Chris, you write a lot of these stories. Lisa, you were editor here for a long time and, uh, and definitely um, helped shepherd a lot of these stories. So I'm going to start with you. Why is this an important story, the executive compensation story? Well, there's been a lot of discussion um, on Wall Street about pay versus performance of mm -hmm. companies, public companies. Um, you know, there, there's been a lot of conversation from shareholders about, um, you know, what is equitable pay? How much should we be paying the CEO for the value we get? Mm -hmm. So I like this data for that reason. You know, we get to look at... Um, what our local executives here in Louisville are making and then kind of gauge it against how the company is, is faring in the stock market. Yeah, sure. It is interesting to see those numbers when you look at how much uh, the companies are, are making for their shareholders. Um, Chris, anything to add to that? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, we really ought to cover it simply because we can. We've already made the decision as a society that this is information that we should disclose publicly. This is something that publicly traded companies have to tell the Securities and Exchange Commission. Um, and at the most basic level, this is like what journalists do. We bring people relevant facts to make decisions about their lives, mm -hmm. uh, help them navigate through, in our case, through business. Um, and at the most core basic level, this is a fact and a useful fact that people, we've already decided as a society, should know. So we're already, I mean, if you wanted to, you People could go look this up on the SEC's web website, mm -hmm. but you know, we're just doing people a little bit of a service by making it easy for them. Making it easy for them. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And I think the uh, the larger societal discussion about uh, wage um, or wealth distribution also comes into play for me, at least when I uh, read these stories and when I write them, I, I like to know, you know, um, the CEO pay ratio mm -hmm. figures. That's a relatively new figure in the. Um, uh, world of public company filings where they kind of compare uh, the average or median employees pay with the CEO's pay and you know what the ratio is so I think that's always interesting to look at those stats too I wrote a story about that earlier this year and we saw some surprising results some people told me that stat doesn't matter why are you even reporting on that stat and other people said it is very relevant so mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of just interesting discourse and you can see some really huge disparities in those numbers with companies that have a lot of part-time workers sure like with Yum Brands Yum Brands had a big one uh, Churchill Downs they use a lot of Papa John's you know, with, their, um, with their hourly drivers there's a 
big disparity yeah. there. So, yeah. so there's some some um, noise in the numbers, as they say, but it's still interesting to look at. Yeah, I agree. Uh, accompanying this list was our CEO survey, where we uh, reached out to five local public, excuse me, nine local public company CEOs, and asked them uh, various questions about. Um, you know, Louisville, their industry, uh, what keeps them up at night, that sort of thing. Uh, you guys, uh, well, Chris and I were, did the reporting on that story as, as well as a couple other reporters here. And then, uh, you know, you, you got to read over it, Lisa. So what were some of your favorite um, uh, responses from CEOs here? I really liked the question um, that looked at what the CEOs would like to develop, what they would like to see develop in Louisville. I mm-hmm. gave you kind of an interesting uh, look into. We had a, had a lot of different answers. Um, yeah. Bill Carstangen from Churchill Downs talked about he wanted to recruit more large companies to town, which I think is a concern we hear from a lot of CEOs with mm-hmm. that lack of large public companies. He wants to see more. Scott Sewell said that he would like. Louisville to become an incubator for new business, which is kind of on the other end of the spectrum. So I thought that was interesting. And then Todd Phillips said he just wants NBA basketball. So I think that's the roadmap for yeah. success right there. Those Big companies, things. small companies, and NBA. And NBA basketball. Brooke, how about you? You've been sitting there for a while. <laughs> um, I actually really liked um, Cedric Francois's um, answers to most of his questions. Um, I thought that it was great that he was um, as open as he was. Yeah, with a lot I of thought that answers. was very surprising. Um, and it wasn't kind of that kind of polished PR kind of thing, CEO talk. It was um, very open. I really liked um, the answer to the question, what keeps you up at night? Um, And he covered things that have to do with his industry, but as our society, our society as a whole. And um, I just, I really liked his answer. Yeah. Yeah. He mentioned the um, uh, immigrant detainment camps at the the border, which I thought was a bold thing for him to do. A lot of uh, CEOs are afraid to take political stances and he, he wasn't there. So, uh, how about you, Chris? Do you have a favorite answer that you saw from some of those? Uh, Cedric Francois's answers, I thought, were, were were really good. The openness was refreshing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also did like Bruce Broussard's responses. You know, he, he's the you know CEO of one of the largest companies you know in the nation. And you know, granted, you know, a lot of the things that he had that he talked about are things that he's talked about in the past already. But it kind of highlights a lot of the you know issues that we face in the United States, which the big one is how do we pay for and finance healthcare? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and Humana's in that every day with their Medicare Advantage program, specifically helping the growing number of seniors in the United States. So his company's how his company approaches that problem really kind of dictates a little bit on how the nation kind of goes. Um, there's only probably four or five big companies that have as much sway as Humana does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, we put all these CEOs on a, uh, we put, put their faces uh, together on, uh, on the page and for a slide on our website. All of them are white males. And we got some blowback about that. We got one person who tweeted at us who said, hey, how come you didn't interview any female CEOs of public companies? Well, a not-so-fun fact is that there are no female CEOs of public companies in town. Um, they're all led by, um, by males. Uh, there are a few female CFOs and other public um, company, uh, you know, high-level executives, but just not any CEOs. So, uh, you know, I wanted to bring that up. Uh, Lisa, you know, you've talked on this a lot, just the, the uh, you want to see more uh, female executives uh, put into various roles. And, you know, how much pressure do you think shareholders should be putting on companies to make sure that happens? 
It's an interesting idea for shareholders to start bringing that mm -hmm. to to companies they invest in. Um, I think they should definitely be considering that when mm -hmm. they're when they're uh, looking at especially like the major institutional ones. Absolutely, right? you know, and you did see. You did see California move uh, last year to um, have a requirement that public companies have female I didn't CEOs know that. on their board. That's yeah, on their board, I guess. On their board, okay. not on their C not in their C suite, but on their board. And that the the board of directors is traditionally a place where you do see female representation. Right. Um, more and more females are getting onto those boards. But the problem in the C suite is there's not that pipeline within mm -hmm. companies for females to ascend to leadership positions. So, mm -hmm. um, the Harvard Business Review reported recently that. More companies are trying to look at their boards now as uh, that conduit into the C-suite. So you may see some more movement there, which which is that's a good thing for the industry. Um, but nationwide, only five percent of public companies have a female CEO. Right. Yeah. And um, you know, and we've covered to some extent um, the the board representation, and we've seen a, a couple more companies bring on um, the females onto their boards, but uh, not as much uh, on the C-suite level. I think Texas Roadhouse hired a uh, female uh, chief financial officer last year, and um, there was a couple other uh, pretty significant uh, hires in the last year. I, I don't want to guess at them because I didn't <laughs> I didn't research before I came in here, but uh, so it does look like it's trending that way. But um, still, it looks like a long way to go, and it would be nice to have uh, some different uh, faces if we do this survey again next year to you know, see some, some females on that list as well. Yeah. And we love when readers point stuff out like that to exactly, us. Exactly. Yeah. To say, Hey guys, where are the ladies? Where, where's the diversity? Yeah, for sure. Um, we, you know, of course we're always thinking about that, mm -hmm. but there just aren't any. Yeah. In and this, it's depressing. Um, it's and, a depressing fact. And yeah. And, and I'll, I'll say again, these are public company uh, CEOs. So there are female CEOs in the private sector. Um, but I'm, sh I'm not sure what the, the breakdown is on that. Lisa, you've been meeting with a lot of private sector CEOs lately uh, as part of your uh, mission to meet with 100 CEOs in 100 days. Mm -hmm. You feel like female executives are, is, it, is there a shortage on the, the private uh, company side as well? There's still a shortage. It's, it's definitely better than in the public company world. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you've got private companies that are family owned and sometimes there's an easier leadership track for, for women inside family owned companies. Mm -hmm. So I think Louisville does have a nice base of female leadership in the family owned sector. But yeah, I mean, still it's the numbers are, are not comparable to men yeah. in the CEO role. How is the uh, the 100 CEO goal going? It's going. I'm having. <laughs> How many days do you have left? I'm you, not have counting you counted? anymore. <laughs> no, it's starting to get a little anxious about the whole thing. Um, I'm doing okay. I feel like I'm maybe a quarter of the way through, That's and so good. I, I need to kind of step it up in August and September. Um, I'm gonna like two a days. Yeah, I'm gonna have to do three <laughs> days, maybe. I'm gonna make it. Um, I need some folks, more more folks, to reach out to me too. If you'd like to meet with me, reach out because I'd like to meet with you. And uh, we'll share our, uh, some con some social media contact information at the end of the show. Also, I'll share my email address. If you want to get in touch with Lisa, I can put you in touch that way too. You so. know a lady. I need uh, a scheduler, yeah. David. I will you be my I scheduler? I know a lady. Um, <laughs> did you ever get that uh, GE Appliances CEO? <laughs> Not yet. Oh my God, if you're, you're being called out, GE. That's right. <laughs> you owe us one CEO interview. Um, all right, I think that's it. We'll move on to the next topic, which is. Uh, a story that Chris did this week. Um, we got a new name for the soccer stadium. The Louisville FC soccer stadium is going to ca be called Lynn Family Stadium. And hats off to Dr. Mark Lynn and Associates. Um, Dr. Mark Lynn uh, obviously bought the naming rights for the stadium. Uh, what do you guys think of the name? 
I really like it. Um, yeah. I think it's um, a nice. It's different. It's, it's, it's different. It's, it's not, not an advertising model. It's, it's not. <laughs> you're right. It's not an advertising model, and I think that that's nice because what we've seen um, after the um, Papa John's Cardinal Stadium thing, you know, Papa John's is no longer, and 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 now it's just kind of ingrained in us to call it that. It's just yeah, Cardinal no. Stadium yeah, right now. Is, so it is weird. Right? Somebody will name that one. I'm sure. Yeah, so. someone should snatch that up. Chris, you covered this one. Uh, well, you you were probably pretty surprised when you saw that name, weren't you? A little bit. Um, so the name was surprising. A little anecdote from the press event. They took us down to all the media down to the field. And right now it's just all like crushed rocks. They've been like trying to pave it and level it out. We're under this giant uh, like awning. And about five minutes before it gets started, Mark Lynn and his 16 grandchildren uh, trope in to uh, join wow. the press event, sit in, fr- in the chairs in front of all the, the cameras and other media members. You kind of start putting two to two together on who exactly pur- purchased <laughs> oh, the rights before the they Lynn reveal family. the name. All of them, oh, all <laughs> the entire Lynn family. Yeah. So, yeah. so the I really like the name because it's not so just boring and obvious. Like corporate, any other, like you know, it's not it's, it's not so corporate. When people come, they're going to be like, "Well, why is it named Lynn Stadium?" And then it's this opportunity to you know kind of explain how there's you know it was the Lynn family. Explain a little bit about the you know the their history with. Louisville, and there's something more wholesome. It just feels better than having the name, the name of the stadium sold out to the, you know, the highest corporate bidder. Yeah, yeah. Um, were you guys surprised to see that it wasn't a Humana or a Yum or a Brown Foreman yeah. uh, stadium? I, think I was is. surprised. Yeah. yeah, but I think that trend in corporate sponsorships um, has been changing a lot. You know, corporations has aren't it? loving naming rights deals hmm. anymore, so it's they're they're harder to come by. I think, especially for smaller teams like the the uh, soccer stadium or the soccer team I should say but um, I thought it was cool because it, it really kind of further cements Mark Lynn's position as as a great benefactor in our mm-hmm. community I mean mm-hmm. he, he he donates to a wide range of causes puts his name on a lot of projects yeah. in our community um, and we need more people like that to invest and spend money in Louisville so mm-hmm. kudos yeah. to him and, and it's his not family. just like you know his name like you know people can cynically say you know this is you know Mark Lynn just like wanting to vaunt himself like pat himself on the back and be like hey look how cool I am but like part of like what uh, Mark Lynn has done in at least the last couple years has helped kind of straighten out some pretty important organizations he was a director for the University of Louisville Foundation Board after you know all kinds of you know terrible stuff went down and he was part of that kind of inaugural group of directors to kind of redirect you know where the foundation was going uh, had input on you know on committees like on what the foundation should do in its leadership He's also, uh, you know, participated in the Kentucky Fair Board. Um, so the whole Lynn family stadium naming thing, you know, shows that, you know, he's, that it's not necessarily about him. And he understands, like, his mm-hmm. role is, you know, you know is, uh, like, as someone who engages in public service, is about that, not necessarily about him. Right. I got a funny Mark Lynn story. When I first started here, we have these profiles every week. Um, you know, where we profile local business executives and Mark Lynn was one of the first people I profiled and we used to have this like really rigorous editing process where I turn in a story and then somebody asked me a question, well, what about this? And I have to go back to him. Well, what about this? And then we did that maybe like four times. And finally, like the fourth time I called him, he was like, I don't know if you've got this. <laughs> and I was like, like okay. got this whole journalism <laughs> yeah. thing. I, was like, I mean, I was like. In my early 30s, but I wasn't like totally green. I'd been in journalism a long time. And then, like, I was like, okay, I went back to the editors and I was like, 
you've got to ask me less questions or give me all the questions at once and we'll run through them all at once. And I kind of learned that uh, never go back to a source and ask them questions more than three times. Or <laughs> they'll begin to they, doubt your go, credibility a little bit. Are you bit. sure you got a handle on this? But we ended up running the profile on it. I think it turned out pretty well. If I remember correctly, it was a long time ago. So, so anyway... That's my Mark uh, Lynn story. Uh, do you guys go to a lot of Louisville City FC games? I've been to just a few. I've just been to a handful of them, and I think it's just because I don't think about it. Because um, I really enjoyed the ones that I've gone to. Yeah. And I drive by the stadium um, on seventy one on my way home, and I just get so excited when I drive by and think, "Oh my gosh, all the fun times that we're going to have once that's completed." But um, I just need to kind of make that in my um, forefront of my mind when I'm making weekend plans uh, or weeknight plans. Um, to, to get tickets right. to, the, to the game. We have tickets here. I, for some reason, I just never pick them up. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's I enjoy, when I, I'm like you. When I go, I really enjoy it. Um, yeah. But it takes me – I'm such an old fogey anymore. It's It takes a lot to actually get me out and go places. And, um, I like Especially to, when it's hot. It's I like so to be hot. indoors. <laughs> I was just going to say. I like to be in air conditioning. So, yeah. yeah it's I'm not a good test Lo- case. Love that indoor soccer. My husband loves <laughs> soccer, though, and he's always trying to get us to go. And yeah. he says when they have the new stadium, we're going to go a lot Yeah. More. And it's not, I love all sports like in a moderate amount, but it's like there's just something about going out in the social aspect of just hanging out and ha- talking to friends and watching the game. And we are not a doing a very good advertisement right now for <laughs> yeah. soccer tickets. What about you? Sorry, have you been, Chris? Uh, he has two kids. He hasn't seen the outside <laughs> yeah, of his now. house in a while. <laughs> I've actually never been to uh, Louisville FC soccer. Yet. You haven't. <clears throat> confessions. Confessions. Real, confessions. Real confessions. Of real confessions. <laughs> well, you should go this year so you can say, hey, I used to go to them even back in the day when they were at uh, yeah, Louisville Yeah, that's what Flugger you can say. Field. You can be like, you know, when the, the people come along and they're like, oh, the bandwagoners. Yeah, the bandwagoners. You'd be like, I was there when they were at Bat Stadium. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> All right. I'm going to wrap it up there. Um, before we go, I'm going to go around the room and let everyone share their uh, social media handles. If you want to find us on social media and tell us how poorly we are at podcasting, we love to hear that kind of thing. Brooke, I'll start with you. Um, so you can find me uh, on Twitter at uh, at BFLU Designer. Um, I've checked it even less lately than um, than before. So maybe try to find me on Instagram, which is at btimmons26. Chris, you can find me on Twitter at. Uh, at BFLU, Chris. I'm also on LinkedIn. That's where I probably spend most of my social media time, uh, you know, posting stories, uh, reaching out to people, trying to get networked into the community. So anybody who wants to meet up for a coffee or networking meeting, reach out to me on LinkedIn, and we'll make that happen. All right. And Lisa? I'm at BFLU Lisa. I'm on Twitter quite a bit. Um, LinkedIn, some not Instagram. Basically, I'm on email. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is email social media? Is it, yeah, it's social me- media. Uh, I wish. I wish Le- that counted as social media. Lisa Benson at bizjournals.com. Yes, and get in touch with her if you if you are a CEO. If you in are the a area. CEO, I want to meet you. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can find me at bflu david on Twitter and on Instagram at dman three thousand one. Uh, you can also reach me by email at dman at bizjournals.com. I'm always happy to hear story tips as well as tips for um, discussions on the show or tips to improve the show. Um, if you haven't already, I'd love for you to subscribe to Apple. Oh, excuse me. I'd love for you to subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, Google, or other podcasting services. Uh, thank you very much, Brooke, Chris, and Lisa. And thank you guys for listening to us at home.